Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast. My name is Jason. Thank you so much for stopping by for this latest chat with friends. This is part two of my interview with Dan Thoreau, the Space Biff, talking about content, talking about what we're doing as media personalities, content creators, whatever you want to call us. And well, I mean, that the words matter. Uh, deconstructing what some of these words mean. Uh, for the first part of the episode, we talked about content and what that means. And, uh, you know, not everyone takes that word the same way. Uh, Dan and I take it a little bit more negatively uh, coming from the history end of things than, you know, another content creator would, which is totally fine. We break down all that. Uh, and you know implications and having a critical conversation about what we're doing and you know are we what we put out is that what what is received and <laughs> all sorts of dimensions so uh, rather than present the entire conversation in one piece which I could have I wanted to break it apart to allow separate space to digest uh, in the, in terms of what we're presenting so the first part was about content the second part is I guess um, we drill down on an aspect of what is made in board, and, uh, in board gaming, which is maybe the, a little bit more difficult, which is the preview. So the preview, in a way, is kind of the worst expression of content uh, because it is at the very crux of hype, of the, the cult of the new. Uh, if there is uh, a negativity or if there is a cynicism that is bred in the community, it's kind of here. Uh, in terms of, you know, when I see a preview, what am I seeing? Are they paid? Are they not paid? Can I trust it? Can I trust it? Wow. Uh, so we get into a lot of that conversation. I wanted to put this as a separate uh, section. Going to have another um, edit a little bit further into the episode. But for now, let me go ahead and throw it over to the Space Viff and myself having a conversation about previews. Here we go. Although, what? okay, I'll put a giant asterisk in that because I think that 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 underscores that that underplays the role of the preview and mm. i don't think that there is any bigger example of content and the worst example of the word than a preview well now we're yeah now we're hitting on something i that that to me is a bit of a curse word <laughs> <laughs> especially with the way that we've we use it and it's just such a board game sphere thing Go ahead. Yeah, I, I got time. Go for it. Well, are are we not like the only medium in which a preview has an expectation that it's going to be paid? Mm. I I just find it super weird. What do you mean uh, by that? Break break that down, like you know. Well, uh, so are we using the same definition? Like, so a preview being so it's a like it's a professional thing to do a preview. There's an expectation that it will have, uh, that it will be paid. Um, so, so here's what I mean. So I do very occasionally what I would call a preview and I'm, I do not accept publisher payment for anything I do. Um, so to me, a preview is that let's say that a company wants to kickstart a game that I think is interesting. And maybe they know me from a previous collaboration. So they reach out and they're like, hey, do you want to play this game and write about it before the Kickstarter to generate some buzz? And because I know these people and I know that they do quality work, I'll say, sure, I'll, I'll take a look at it. And now I try to limit this. I don't want to do, yeah. 
you know, 50 Kickstarter uh, previews a, a month, but you know, one or one a month, I think is fine. So uh, it's just super weird to me that I can't write on my site. This is a preview without getting a whole bunch of people mailing me to ask if I was paid for it. Mm-hmm. Like if I preview a book, I don't have to say that I was paid. I just find it really weird that this is like the only industry I've really noticed that in. And I could be off base. Um, what do you think? I mean, I think like it goes back to our previous conversation about board gaming as commodity. Like the, the idea that like, in a we consider board games commodities in a way that we would never consider books commodities. Mm-hmm. I think that there, you know, when we talk about a book, there's still this, I, I don't want to speak in generalities, but I think, that there's this tendency to see, you know, a book is still like, you know, has value in it and it has like, you know, inherent, you know, you're going to read it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. And, and it's not like a collector's item in the, in the way, same way that a board gaming wall would be a collector's item, right? I mean, but board games, like, I don't, like, I think that, you know, we're streaming upstream. I think that the majority of people don't consider board games as art or culture. Yeah. I think that they're commodities. And so when when a publisher is kickstarting something or they or they're launching a pre-order, whatever it is, like they are selling a game. They're making mm-hmm. art. They're not making cult. They're selling a game. And then anybody who is on in, in that team, because people, because the larger populace can't like, you know, uh, they don't have access to it. Mm-hmm. So the only people that have access to it are people whom the publisher uh, allows. And the mm-hmm. publisher has no interest whatsoever because they're not producing art, they're producing a commodity. They have no interest in whatsoever besides what, you know, which outlets will, you know, increase sales. So mm-hmm. then on the consumer end, I can see this wave of cynicism. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, you know, no one else has seen this. Like only the only people that the publisher is geeky. There is no independent media. Like you met, you did that post today about like, you know, you can't send it. I can't send the board game to the, the to the New York times. I can't send the board game to right. these independent outlets. I can only send them, you know, the, the publishers can only send them to these people who they bless basically. Right. Right. And it becomes this like, you know, on the consumer end, I can totally see that, that, Okay. The, why would the publisher give this to somebody who would talk negatively about it? Mm-hmm. And even though, even though you do, like I read your some of your previews, they're like, <laughs> well, you know? well, and it takes it takes a particular sort, I think. So I, I do have a great example. Um, so many people know him because he's sort of become one of the publishing and board games darlings lately. Uh, but Cole Worley. Um, so Cole and I get along pretty well. He he has a background that is uh, pretty pretty much history. It's more on the like literary side mm-hmm. uh, than mine my work. But um, but we both view things very historically. Um, so I was a fan of one of his early games, uh, the first of his published games, John Pax Company? Pamir. Oh, Pax Pamir. Okay. Yeah, and he sent me. Um, a preview copy of Pax Pamir's second edition, which was very different from the first edition. And, um, and yeah, my preview had some pretty negative points in it. Um, Now to Cole's credit, I think Cole is someone who approaches pretty much everything he does with a, with such intentionality Mm -hmm. that, yeah, I think he was a little bummed. I reached out and I, I was like, Hey, it seems like, Maybe you're not feeling too great about this preview. And he was like, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but he seemed a little bummed. Yeah, sure. Um, 
but as we talked about that preview and uh, he actually, it was very generous of him. He made some changes based on one of my, the recommendations I made in that preview. And, and so I'm listed in the rule book. Um, he, he says, thank you. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at it too recently. I don't, I don't read my accolades, um, <laughs> but, but I think that's a good example of somebody who approached a preview with, with the mentality that he wanted to actually make something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know that Cole is maybe not the, the best example of the mean, um, you know, all of his games are doing something like that. They're all saying something. Um, but I would like to see more of that mentality that there, there can be more than just pushing product. You know, a, a preview can be more than just a, a paid advertisement. It and has, there's so much pressure for it to be just that. There is. And, and, and you know, I don't want to undersell like, that. Like the whole thing of, of call to the new, you know, like, I mean, it, it, you talk to publishers like, okay, I will sell 85% or more of my stock of this game in the first X amount of weeks. And if I miss that window, then I'm just going to have a warehouse full of, you know, games forever. And so just the, the nature of the beast, like, you know, more and more games, shove them down the, you know, down people's throat like a goose until they pop. Well, uh, and part of my ethics policy is, of course, that I don't get paid, but that actually, that and that's a nice little amelioration, of course. But there's also a pressure that really no ethics policy can handle, which is access. Um, you know, if, if, a, if a well-known publisher who excites me reaches out and wants to show me something exclusive, which that means that I am now being incentivized to be positive so that I can keep having that access. To me, that is a far greater pressure than money. Right. Um, now that might not be true for everybody. <laughs> um, uh, to me too. Like, I mean, it, if I get a, um, I mean, I've gotten preview from people, you know, I'll, you know, I'll name them. I, I, I'm good friends with like Tristan Hall and Frank, you know, I'm very quite less so, but like, you know, Tristan Hall, uh, Richard Wilkins, you know, Ricky Boyle, you know, we've, I, we've talked a number of yeah. times, um, you, you know, people who are Rory, Rory O'Connor, uh, you know, I, I, I reviewed one of his games, uh, combo clash and it was not a great review and it, it, it hurt me. <laughs> It's like, yeah. I want to give this good review. I can't do it. Uh, or like a, I gave it a middling review. Like, <laughs> you know, did it, did, you know, did I give it a middling review? Not a bad review. I have to, I have to ask this, this question actively of myself. I, f- I definitely find relationships more, you know, cause it goes back to the idea of attention. Right. You know, these are people who are in my hobby. They are producing the things that I love and I have their attention. Right. Wow. That's like better than money in some way. <laughs> right. And it's super yeah. cool to be shown something early, isn't it? It's super cool. It's like super cool to be trusted. Yeah. You know, and I, I do find that a, a more biasing, not, not, do I want to say more biasing? Is that what you want to say? Like more biasing than like, you know, payment? Yeah, you could say that. Okay. Is that, is that how you feel? You know, I, I, I think personally for me, it is. Um, now, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. I, I feel like I would navigate that okay. Because to me, it, I have to constantly remind myself that my loyalty lies with my audience, yeah. not with this publisher or designer. But it can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that I'm not pulling my punches. But some of what makes bias tricky is sometimes you don't even know, you, you know, right. that, mm-hmm. that, that you're being influenced. Right. Um, even that. So one of the things I try to do is every year I write an article about 
the previous, you know, how did the previous year's best hold up a full year later? And, and the only reason I do that really is to try to at least keep my biases in check a little bit by going back and saying, okay, so I said that this was one of the top 20 games of the year. Was it, mm-hmm. you know, or did that just totally, once I said that, did it disappear, you know, from my radar or I played it later and it stunk. I, I think that it, I think it is useful as people who want to navigate an ethical minefield to revisit ourselves now, now and then. Um, but that's not natural. I mean, that's, it, I, nor is it easy. That's actually one of the hardest articles I write every year, uh, just because it's basically a huge mea culpa. Right. You know, I'm going back and saying, well, I was wrong about like a third of the stuff I said, <laughs> um, which, you know, the upside is I do think there's so much cynicism that, you know, a lot of people mention that being one of their favorite of the things I write. Um, I think it is refreshing that at the, I, here's the problem, Jason, I, even this makes me feel a little cynical that you can, tr- that trying to be forthright is basically a sell- sales tactic. Yes. Like, yes. It's like um, you're reassuring the people. Yes. I'm not a shell. Yes. And this. Yeah. Right. right. And, and, and as someone who has no interest in pushing these things as products, but maybe I do want people to connect with games that will bring them happiness and connection um, and enlightenment or whatever. It, that is a tension that I have to deal with is that, yeah, I want people to trust me and I try to go out of my way to make them trust me. And I don't want that to be a sales tactic either. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I want that to be genuine. Right. Yeah. I mean, so this is kind of a, this is where I run afoul. <laughs> my personal views run afoul of like other folks. Cause I think the, the strong instinct on the consumer end is that, you know, money is biasing. Don't take money. You know, if you take money, you're bought and sold and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I just don't have a, as much of a problem with it. Like, I don't. I don't take any money either. And I, again, shelf stores, is, it's always going to be ad-free. It's always going to be free. Like, this is my space. But if somebody is going to make the decision of, like, getting the payment, well, then it's in the context of, like, all these things. Like, getting a view copy is biasing. Having the attention of a publisher is biasing. Being a friend with a publisher is biasing. Why are we drawing a line at payment? Well, and oddly, I actually think that for me, one of the things that's most biasing is um, retail therapy, that that having paid money for a game often biases me for it. Yeah, because I'm justifying the decision to drop 70 bucks on a game. So I, I kind of pull something like the theater goers and Huckleberry Finn, where I'm like, no, it's great. <laughs> and you're a fool if you don't love it. And, um, you know, there's like you're saying, there are so many intersecting pressures on us. Mm-hmm. that it can be genuinely difficult to navigate. If someone wants to, like, it, if it's important to them, because there's because we're not talking about, you know, Bugattis and Maseratis. We're, we're talking about just, you know, $50 here, $70 there. Like, if someone wants to say, okay, you know, they're going to take money for whatever XYZ previews. Um, paid reviews, ooh, man, we're entering a minefield there. But, like, you know, in terms of the preview, then as long as like my thing is like, you know, but it's like now you're hitting an iron law of transparency. Like you got to be transparent. You got to hit that button. You got to, you know, you know, speed, you know, because there's actually a code of ethics about that. Like in terms of like the FCC, like right. if you take any kind of conversation that has to be stated clearly. So like do that. But like, if someone's going to say, you know, like take this money, you know, and, and like do a preview, there's so many sources of bias that I can't like, I, I can't justify for myself drawing a line between 
payment and the other things, you know, mm-hmm. and I, it's, it, you know, it, it opens the door, right? And it, it, it triggers people's cynicism. And am I triggering a person's cynicism or am I triggering the consumer's cynicism? And that's mm-hmm. where I, I want to ask also a question in terms of like, you know, who to talk to. Cause like, if I'm in a trusting relationship with somebody like you, you know, like you, you talk about, you, you, you know, you built them and like you, you let them know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to take this little bit of money and they have a relationship with you. It's like, oh yeah, I, I you know, you do your thing. There's more likely to, to kind of be that, but if it's a consumer, and running into the kind of teeth of that the consumer mindset that that one that that messes me up yeah yeah you know for me for me whenever i whenever i'm trying to judge you know who who should i who should i give the value of my opinion to uh not so much my opinion maybe but my esteem you know who am i going to listen to especially when there's so many competing voices. I, I don't know if there's any way that has worked for me except basically after the fact. You know, if this person recommended me a game, whether they were paid or not, did I end up liking it? You know, did it was it valuable to me? Yeah. And I and I think everyone ends up kind of going through that self-selection where, you know, is is this person useful uh, to you in a certain way? Now, for me, I, I hope to write things that are useful, at least in the sense that even if you don't play a game, I hope we can at least have a discussion about certain games and find them interesting. Um, and that's one reason why I keep repeat, returning to this idea of just divorcing it from this commercial context. Like, it, I, I would love to be able to, and I don't think I succeed at this very often, um, but I would love to be able to write the sort of thing that people want to read after they've played a game mm-hmm. or return to after they've played it five times, you know, um, rather than be, does this guy sell me on games or not? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not sure how to go about doing that a lot of the time. Um, but, but that, but just for me, um, that helps me escape the context just ever so slightly. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about board games in a way that maybe gets us thinking about what did this game do for me, as opposed to should I buy it or not. And, and so I guess like you know, kind of talking about previews. I mean, I think I be, we began discussion by talking about previews as like because you were saying before like we're kind of in a golden age. Like you can, there's a lot of people making stuff and more people than ever, and you know we're doing good in diversity stuff, but then. You know, I think previews pull more at, you know, okay, let's now produce content, now produce like a playthrough, now produce like, you know, yeah. um, you know, thoughts that, and, you know, especially because, you know, you, we don't play our preview copies like 10 times. Like if someone's getting a prototype, you're not sitting there like, okay, I'm hammering through this prototype. It's like, I'm going to play it once and, you know, enough to learn it and then, you know, turn on the camera. So like, to me, like, you know, previews become more reflective of capital C content than, mm-hmm. you know, anything that we do. And, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'll do the occasional preview for the one-stop co-op shop, but like, it's not like the thing that I, I, I like, you know, oh, we yeah, have to, you know, yeah. and, and actually, okay. You know, okay, so here's an example, right? So Tim Fowers, right? There's a guy, there's a guy. You, yeah. He's in your state. He's there, he's, he's around where yeah. you Yeah. I've been to his little uh, game design collective house. <laughs> Uh, sent me a prototype of um, Paperback Adventures, the, the 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 solo deck building word game. Right, like that was actually really meaningful to me 
Cause like yeah. he's a guy that I really love his games. Like it, it, there it is. They got their brothers all over the place. Yeah, there, there you uh, go. And uh, oh, now boarding, there it is. <laughs> so I didn't even do it on purpose. Uh, and that was like really meaningful to me. So like I was actually happy to do that preview. But does that? I just finished dumping on previews, and here I am, <laughs> having gotten a lot of meaningful, you know, being able to help Tim sell his, you know, sell his game or get the word out about his game. God, you know that. It takes all the steam out of me. Like I'm about to like, you know, launch in some <laughs> kind of rant. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Look, look at us hypocrites. Future Jason here. Going to uh, throw in a little bit of an edit. <laughs> that I really caught myself there, didn't I? Uh, in terms of, you know, I, I came in hot uh, in terms of the problems that previews caused. I'm still going to uh, say something about that in just a second. But then I tapped into why they are so cool, why they're so awesome. Uh, it really was, you know, I mentioned before about Tim Fowers and doing the preview for his latest game, Paperback Adventures, which was on the One Stop Co-op Shop. That was really meaningful. Um, you know, if you're a small creator or a small publisher, you don't have a lot of these, you know, uh, you can't just like shoot those uh, previews to anyone and anywhere. And, you know, being able to earn his trust, uh, he had uh, given me that preview off of the playthrough I did of Burgle Brothers 2, which you can see right there. Always going to be a part of my collection. Uh, like my energy and enthusiasm and said, you know what, here. Uh, and that was meaningful to me because, you know, what is what does it mean to be human? You know, part of what it means to be human is to, when you have a good thing, share it. You know, we don't want to hoard good things as human beings. We want to, you find a good thing, my, our first instinct is to you know, find somebody else and share it. And to be able to have a new thing, a cool thing, something that no one knows about, and being able to, you know, first of all, being entrusted with it, someone shared it with me, and then being able to, you know, to, as a conduit, link it to other people. That's what it's all about. It's not just like, you know, it's... It, and I hadn't really reflected on that until this conversation. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm recording this. Uh, uh, this insert is a couple of weeks after our conversation. I've been mulling it over since then. And I guess my ultimate line about previews is that they represent the best of times and the worst of times. The best of times being, what are we about in this hobby? We're about finding cool new stuff, right? And even if it's, you know, someone playing a game, you know, they could be discovering new stuff in their game. So, like, if you play a game 10,000 times, like, you, you you know, ask those people, they're discovering new stuff in there. And they want to share it with their, you know, their people. If, you know, if they're playing solo, they want to post about it or, or something along those lines. Sharing. That being the key thing. You know, discovering a new thing and sharing it is basic to humanity and basic to our hobby. We grow. That's how we grow. And that's why the flip side of that coin is that's where the worst of it is because they take that uh, who's they uh, marketing and consumerism or whatever you want to say. Again, we don't go at certain people. It's kind of more of a systemic thing where we take that beautiful sharing act of human beings and it becomes commodified. And it becomes about the hype train. It's like, okay, share, 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 share. Uh, if we're not share, if we're not sharing a preview for some of us, or for that, you know, uh, in terms of our relationships, in terms of you know, um, the, our relationship with the audience and with the publisher, if we're not sharing that new thing, what are we doing in that second, more negative paradigm? So I don't know. You know, I guess the the answer there is no answer to me. I can't find one. I'm living in the tension right now. I think I say at one point in this podcast, riding a tiger. Um, 
right away. I don't know. So but I think the only thing I wanted to emphasize here is I'm still thinking about it. Two weeks later, I'll probably be thinking about it, you know, for a long time. I don't think I'll dump on previews as hard. <laughs> I'm going to be very studious about who I preview. I want to be able to highlight uh, folks who are newer, folks who are smaller, folks who have something real to say with their games um, as a way of expressing my um, voice and my intention with how I do previews and try, try not to let it get too caught up in the hype train. So would like to hear what you think, uh, but without further ado, going to get back to uh, Dan and Space Biff. We're going to wrap up our conversation. So I uh, hope you enjoy. Hypocrites. Uh, yeah, it's it's super hard. Um, you know, I, so I recently did a preview on Stationfall, which is kind of this weird, someone, someone called it a party game for adults. Uh, no, a party game for heavy gamers in their uh, like board game geek comment. And, and that's the kind of crystallized statement that it just makes me so jealous. Cause it's such a perfect yeah. distillation of what that game is. Um, and when I, um, when one of its developers, Andy Mesa asked me to do a preview of it, I was going, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's good. Like I love it, but I don't know if it's good. I don't really know how to wreck it. It's so dense. And so in that case, I actually did play it like eight times uh, just to even come to terms with it. Um, but you're right. A lot of the time uh, I, I worry about the perfunctory nature of previews yeah, yeah. That, that we're coming and we're saying, here's this thing, therefore buy it as opposed to uh, let, let's evaluate it. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do, how do you escape that, uh, that energy drain that you just described? I feel, okay. So, and this, it, it came up, it's come up with, um, when I was, because I was, I was actually on my way to be an academic. Like my first, my first life, right? I was a theologian. Uh, I oh, went, cool. to, I, I got my um, theology degree. I was a master's, and you know, they talked about like, you know, how do you do it? Because you know, being an academic is pretty hard. And you know, how do you, how do you do stuff that you want to do, and versus the 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 publisher parish obligation? Mm -hmm. like you have to publish something, and you have to get in the journal in order to get a job to do the real things, but that is often takes you away from like the, the real, like things that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Right. And one person, you know, they, they gave me the, the um, advice of twinning. It's like, look, you know, just get used to splitting your brain, get used to splitting your brain. I'm like, okay, this is your, this is your brain on this. And this is your brain on that. And, you know, do enough of this to get hired and do enough of this to uh, do enough of that to, you know, have the fun and, and like feel like a human being again. Right. And sure. I feel like, without really meaning to, I, I think I'm kind of doing that mm -hmm. is a, in a sense, twinning of like, okay, I'm going to do a preview for paperback adventures, or I'm going to do previews for whatever, or, or like, you know, do playthroughs and I'm on the dice tower and everything. And, you know, get the, get the whole reviewed copy churn thing going on, helps my family. I actually don't spend a lot of my family money on this hobby because of that hobby. And then it's like, that is a burnout inducing thing. But then I have this channel. Mm -hmm. And then I have shelf stories and then I have conversation with people like you, intelligent people. And, and then I have like, you know, the diversity, because I'm a big diversity person. I want to expand the hobby. So like, sure. you know, anytime that I, you know, convince, you know, talk to a person and give them words to defend themselves or talk to a, a person on the moderate side, like I, I actually get a, get a kick out of that, of like people who are, who don't think like me. And they're like, oh, why, you're not a screaming SJW woke person. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I actually learned something and, I, and I, I'm like, yes, you know, we uh, move the ball forward in that one. So like, I feel like I'm twinning. I don't know how successful I am at twinning. 
Mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm trying. Sure. You know, and in a way, like this whole conversation is a little bit schizophrenic because there's content and then there's content and, and trying to like, you know, content in a benign sense, content and just like a descriptor. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to do the content as a descriptor and that's fine. But then, you know, I'm entering the world of content in order to get other things, view copies and attention and, you know, clicks so that my influence is such my platform is such that I, that when I do have something cultural to say, more people are paying attention. Sure. So riding that tiger, it's, 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 it, it can, it's really tough. That's cool. Yeah, I try to be as reflective as possible, you know? Right, right, right. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, so I think that, I think, wow, we went uh, a little bit. I think I'm going to, I'm probably going to split that into two. Oh, uh, okay. The preview stuff and. uh, Well, sorry to gab. Oh, no, no. Great. No, no. You did it. (laughs) Content. I have two episodes. (laughs) We've doubled the content. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So is there anything that, any other uh, topics like that we, that, you know, that, that bursted forward that maybe you kind of like, you know, put in the pen in or like another a thread of conversation that you wanted to pursue, or do you think we've pretty much covered? Things? No, I, I think this has been great and it's given me some things to think about, which I appreciate. Thank you. Discovery, baby. <laughs> yeah. What, what is New life paths. without it? New paths, right? <laughs> I, that's, I all that, about that. that's what distresses me about so much of how we think about learning, right? That we, we, we expect that we're going to go to school and then be done how despairing is that to, to ever think that you'd be done right. learning right and, and making connections you know yeah. like connecting dots in different ways like i mean i'm a big that's that's my mental health thing it's like okay we connect dots in certain ways change your mind it can change the world okay i haven't learned any i've acquired new i've just learned to reconnect the dots in new ways yeah that to me is like oh you know that, that's what i live for <laughs> and right. that's what games that's what good games do. like um this game um days of iron nights of fire Mm-hmm. The the two games from David Turcy about the 1956 um, uh, Budapest student revolution. Sure. Wow. <laughs> wow. I love the argument. The arguments that both of those games make. I mean, that I live for that. Yeah. I absolutely live for that. And so, yeah. And that, and you know, I did an episode kind of covering the history of that. That was meaningful to me. Yeah. You know, sure. when I, I got connected with Liz, Liz Davidson, we covered the history of it. And like, I think seven people watched it, but like, no, I don't care. I don't care how many people. <laughs> <laughs> Meaningful to me. So I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So, all right, man. Uh, Dan Thoreau, this was amazing. Please don't be a stranger. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. If you can change your mind, you can change the world, people. So until next time, hey, everybody. See ya. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more shelf stories.